Hello and welcome to episode five of The Brand Lounge, a place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadowcat Creative, and I'm a personal brand coach and designer where I help small businesses to define their brand, align their marketing channels, and achieve their version of success. So today I'm joined by the fantastic Anita Figura, who is the founder of Fierce Project Management, which is a networking community that empowers and supports women and misfits as project leaders in their industry. And today is a very juicy topic. Today we are going to be talking about mixing politics with business. So thank you so much for joining me, Anita. Thank you for having me. It's just, I'm really excited for this conversation. A little bit nervous to see where it goes. Um, But yeah, so effectively, I think that this is a really important thing to talk about. I know that there's generally a golden rule that's often shared or joked about that you shouldn't talk about politics or religion and both are quite taboo in in the business world. But I really feel like, it's interesting to have the conversation. So do you feel that there is space where politics can play a role in business identity, particularly within personal branding? So I think if you are political, then it's inextricably linked. So I... When I started my business, I had I didn't really have very much of an online profile other than on Facebook. I would post things about politics. <laughs> that was pretty much the extent of my um, my business uh, my online profile. Sorry. And when I started my business, I was like, oh, let me delete all of those things, all of those political views because business and politics don't mix. Because maybe I would turn off somebody who might want to work with me and then see that I'm a Labour supporter and I'm a fan of Jeremy Corbyn. And they might be like, oh, no, I don't want to work with her. Or they might be a Leave voter. And I'm very clearly from my profile, I was a Remainer. Um, So that's how I started. And I remember sharing on LinkedIn. At some point, I started questioning this. I was like, can we talk about business and politics together? Because I was starting to realise that actually, even if we don't think we're political, they are inextricably linked because the government set the guidelines and the rules and the policies which affect our business. And if we are mission-led and we are being driven by our purpose to make changes in the world, often if not always, they will have a political side to them as well, even even if we don't see them as political. So my mission is very much about empowering women and misfits to step up and lead fiercely. And I originally was seeing that as a separate part of my identity to the part of my identity that was quite political and had really strong views about politics. But actually, I started having some conversations with it was our local our local candidate for MP last December and she was talking about the role of politics in setting policies to help women and that's when I started to realise oh that is inextricably linked to my mission of um, of what I'm passionate about so it's not a separate aspect of what I believe it's part of the same part of the same envelope and I think a lot of business owners are mission-led which is why you do the thing that you do 
So whether it's about sustainability or it's about brand identity, I reckon there is a political element of your business. It's really interesting because I wasn't sure like when we first had this initial conversation about having an episode around politics and business, I felt very uncertain, to be honest. Like, I'm never going to sugarcoat this. I felt very, I did feel a little bit nervous because I'm like, I'm not quite sure how I feel about mixing politics and business. And the more that I thought about it and the more that I um, kind of considered my own political views, because I'm a very opinionated young lady. I always have been and that I embrace. But when it comes to business, I was trying to consider whether it's something that I naturally bring into my business world or not. And there are some key points that I've realized I do address and do encompass within my world that would be political, but aren't necessarily tagged with that political um, marker. So when voting day for the elections, general elections, um, local elections and everything else, because it was facilitated by Instagram, by putting up the big vote stickers and everything else. And I think you see this a lot when big elections are happening in the States as well, or anywhere else, hopefully. Um, Because it's being facilitated and normalized by a social media channel, it feels like it's acceptable then to talk about this particular aspect of politics. I've also realized that um, I talk a lot with my friends in business networks, and I think that we probably would be talking about this as well, about topics that specifically affect women in business, gender pay gaps, women in the workplace, um, trying to find more female founders, everything like this, and how it's being disproportionately represented in different areas. And I heard some shocking statistics this morning about how many female-led industries had been closed in comparison to male-led industries over lockdown. Um, And these are all political things, but I feel like because there is enough backing and enough enough of a normalized approach, I guess, to have these conversations, they're not seen as as being as political as others, if that makes sense. Whereas if I were to talk about something very specific, like who I wanted to vote for, or which, um, which side of a vote I'm taking for a policy, because it's more polarizing, I feel like that is then tagged with being an unacceptable political kind of era, almost. But I don't even know where this opinion of mine comes from. I don't know why I feel uncomfortable about sharing political views. And I don't know whether that's something that you you can elaborate on. Is that something that you have found is quite a commonplace thing for, well, for women or men within the business working place? So I think we are in lots of ways, conditioned not to talk about politics in business, in work, because it can be divisive. And gosh, since 2016, since the Brexit votes, like how divisive has that been that we have different, very clear sides of leave and remain, and we have very polarising politics. And I think that is a real challenge, that we have hugely polarising politics. So I think we are taught not to talk too much about it because when we do talk about it, it's very polarising. Yeah. So I can understand the point of view of saying, oh, I might not want to reveal 
too much about what I want, who I would vote for, which again is your prerogative. It's like each of ours is our own journey. Um, however, if you do have really strong views, then my my belief on it is not to sit on the fence. <laughs> so, and it was part of my fears because I was like, well, if I talk openly about my opinions, then will I turn off potential people that would work with me? And I very clearly remember, um, and I can't remember the post, but I shared something that was really quite um, very, probably a bit anti-government and what they are doing, um, which, and perhaps pro-Labour, so they are, um, because they because Labour aligns with my values, um, and particularly when it was under Jeremy Corbyn and the principles of, um, rather than the few, the many. And I don't think that was the catchiest of phrases, but it aligns with very much what I believe in, um, that we don't just need wealth or or have people having lots. Not that it's necessarily about being anti-capitalism, but actually when we've got people living in poverty, um, something's not going right in one of the richest countries in the world. Um, and that's before we even got to lockdown and the massive inequalities that's highlighted. So I think we can we can be wary to share our views because we think, well, actually, who would that turn off? But I think that actually we want to work with people who have aligned values. That doesn't mean we have to vote the same to work with each other and we can be respectful of each other and we don't have to be name calling and but we can, I think we can be quite open with what we believe. So I've instigated some convers- I instigate conversations around politics. And one of the people, one of my clients said, I do not vote the same way as you. I don't believe necessarily the same things that you're saying. Um, and that was okay. We still worked together. It didn't cause any friction because she still aligned with my values and she still saw in me that I could offer her the outcomes that she wanted. And actually, a lot of the underlying values were still the same, even though she was going to vote a different way. However, there will definitely be people that are turned off by me talking about politics. Um, But they are probably people that I don't want to work with if they don't respect or appreciate or understand my values. Yeah, no, I understand that. I think that with anything in business, it's it's that whole, it's okay for people not to want to work with you because you can't, my favourite quote, I think, is you can't be everyone's cup of tea or you'd just be a mug. You know, <laughs> you want <laughs> you want people to opt out because, you know, you serve your people and it's not beneficial on either side if there's a misalignment of values, um, whether it's political, whether it's financial, whether it's ambition, whatever it is. Um, whether it's because you're not a cat person and I clearly am, whatever your values are, they do need to align. But I feel like with politics, it's such a, it does feel like such a taboo subject, more so than mental health, in my opinion, which I find. But then is that my circles? Because this is where I start going around because in the circles that I have around me, Um, There is a mix of political opinions and points of view and cultures and backgrounds, which I relish. But also there is this, there are certain topics that have been normalised within my circle, such as mental health. But I don't think we talk about politics as much. 
Um, and I'm a huge, huge fan of the idea, huge fan. I'm very keen for politics to be taught in schools because I feel that a lack of education leads to a lot of misinformation. Um, and I feel like the only political education I generally had at school was from my parents or which isn't something that you generally sit down and talk about too much. Um, or it was learning about politics of like the 16th century because I was a history nerd, <laughs> which wasn't helpful. So do you feel that if more education around politics and how it impacts business was commonplace, do you feel that that would then open up the floor to have those conversations more openly? I think if we are really understanding what politics is, it impacts everything. Like it just impacts absolutely everything. Like there's not anything that it doesn't impact that I can think of. Um, so it is so essential to everything. So I can't remember the phrase, but if you don't, if you don't want to complain about things, then don't vote. Like, like if you're happy to not complain ever, then don't vote. And so it's so important that we vote. But I remember times of thinking, oh, I won't bother voting because there is no one aligned with what I believe in. It's all a bit vanilla. No, there isn't very much difference. So like when I was younger, I was a bit like, oh, maybe I won't vote. Um, but and when it came to Brexit, before the vote, I was very much like, oh, I'm not sure if I'll vote. Oh, I'm not really sure which side I'm on. Um, and then I started to educate myself and then I got really passionate about it and made sure that I voted with a postal vote because we were going to be at Glastonbury. And actually it was just such, <laughs> well, yeah, you were there then. And it was just I, I wonder what you picked up on then being there when that result came in because oh, it was just such a shared experience of yeah. being in that environment when that result came in because it was a huge shock. Mm. Um, and it, because we were in our echo chamber of, yeah. well, that won't happen. Um, some people might think, well, might you know, people might not bother voting because what my vote doesn't matter. Um, and there was just so much misinformation and it was a horrible campaign. So I do have massive problems with politics too. Like I think the way politics is run is really quite nasty. Mm. Um, but actually being in that environment there was just a shared experience of heartbreak <laughs> and um but being expressed in like creative forum so there was we were in the left field tent I, I think and um and there were talks by Billy Bragg about politics and they were um we went to a a, a gig with cassette boy who was really like talking about the politics and the vote um, and showing that in the music so it was really interesting to be in that environment and realise the impact of, of that outcome. I, I don't think we fully felt it then, what, what that now means. Um, and it's been a long road to get here, isn't it? But, but that's when I started realising, oh, I'm really passionate about politics because actually it started going off course of then what I saw was the way I wanted our culture and our environment to be and clearly it was a sign that things weren't working which is why people voted to to leave even though 
I, I personally don't think that was about the EU. I think that was a vote of. We need something different. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And being like, because I, like I said, I mean, we were camping in one of the, I can't remember which field we were in. Um, But, and it was interesting because in our group, because there was quite a mix of us in the group. So we went with some work colleagues. We went with some family members. We went some, there was quite a mix of um, generations within our camping group as well. And there was a mix of political views, particularly with that specific vote. Um, and it really did, like sitting there with a cider over breakfast, as you do, because <laughs> it was it was really interesting because, so first off, there was this kind of universal feeling of kind of shock, I think, because within my circle in particular, a lot of our values align. So it was quite shocking for me to hear what I thought was the minority being the deciding vote. So that for me was quite a a bubble bursting event where I realized that I need to be a little bit more mindful that the people I surround myself with aren't really an indicative representation of political views across the country, which was a little surprising for me. But it did also open up the floor for the conversation with other people who were in the group who didn't vote the same way as me to understand what was the driving intention and the driving factors for them as individuals because all we can ever do and all we should ever do is make the decision based on our experiences and how we feel about things um and that's that's essentially what politics should be but I feel like a two-party system in my opinion is not is is not indicative of of the sweeping generalizations and and variety of circumstances and backgrounds and everything else that is across the UK and I think that that's just getting clearer and clearer each year Um, and I agree with you that I feel like a lot of people didn't vote for the they didn't vote for the options they were given they were voted for the fact that they wanted a change or they were scared of change or they wanted things to stay the same um and then, you know, it was it was really, it was such a weird morning because we had this whole politically charged air, all of these conversations going on. And then I saw a guy walking down who was mostly naked with a Euro flag tied around his back singing. The <laughs> yeah. It just broke the tension. But it was nice that through that kind of collective feel, these conversations really opened up, which I never thought would happen in the middle of a field in Somerset. <laughs> yeah, and Glastonbury is quite political, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but I think that's it. Is and it's about being able to have those conversations across the divide. Mm. And I'm realizing that there is an element of yes, if people don't agree with me and they don't want to follow me, and it's a bit like Marmite, they don't have to. Totally. Mm. And if some people have really strong opposing views to mine, then actually, can again, it can be a trigger. So mm-hmm. actually, maybe I don't want them in my circle, like you know, like influencing my mental health and, and getting me riled up. But actually, how incredibly important is it that we can have conversations across the divide? Because that's the only way that we can get meaningful change mm-hmm. and that we can start understanding each other and that is incredibly hard when people are really passionate about politics um but it's really incredibly important because we are really divided 
society right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, and I don't want this episode to get too focused on the negatives because I think that everyone is aware that politics in general can be quite a, well, is a divisive topic. That, that's the kind of the point of it, to be honest. But so what I would really love to talk about a little bit is for the listeners who would be keen to maybe start broaching a little bit more of a political topic, whether that's a subject within politics itself or whether that's a particular policy or um, a particular element like gender pay gap, sustainability, whatever. Do you have any recommendations or any advice you can share on the way that they can start introducing these conversations as a neutral kind of territory, maybe, to open up those conversations? Um, So again, I don't think we necessarily need to be neutral, but I think you can... Um, I think you can absolutely have the conversations without attacking. And I think that you can't, and I think it's actually just about genuine curiosity. Mm. So a lot of the times that I post, I just ask questions. So a lot of my things are like, what do you think about this? Um, Or, and then that elicits different views and then being respectful and listening to those different views. And yes, you can share your opinion because I think there's no point sitting on the fence. Um, but sometimes we actually don't know where we sit until we explore the different views, which I think is incredibly important and powerful as well. So asking those questions can start eliciting those to explore different viewpoints. And if you are, if I think it's just really important that we are open and respectful, but actually acknowledge when you're getting triggered and think about how you're going to, react to those situations and what is okay for you and what isn't um so there are some things that are just are not okay for me if I hear them if it's about racism again I will often I'll ask the questions that are curious and try and get to like have a discussion to explore those but within what you can do on social media like it's Um, But also, actually, there are some things that are really overtly racist rather than it's just a point of discussion. Um, Then I, you know, that's across my boundary and actually I'm not going to go there. And therefore I will react in a way that feels right to me for my mental health. Um, so So I think it's explore your boundaries and dip your toe in. And then build up if you as you want to. Um, but for me, like the the parallels um, started to become really evident when um, when I started getting a little bit more involved in my local labour group. And then um, again, it was the alignment of values. But then I was realising that actually there weren't in a, in the pop, in where I live, it's a really high seat community, but there weren't any women of colour being represented in, in our council as I started to get more involved. And um, and I just realised that actually that is what I talk about in my business. And that when we look around a decision-making room and there aren't women of colour, and yes, it was actually really amazing that there were men of colour and there were women, so that's good progress. But actually I was like, who's representing me? Because my experiences are different. And in a, in a high population, there are lots of ethnicities not represented. There are lots of different groups that aren't, aren't represented around the decision-making table. 
And I encourage, I enable, I empower people to stretch out their comfort zone to to take or create or become decision makers, whether that's in their own business or within within the organisations they are in. So I started again seeing the parallels because I'm really passionate that we do need diversity and inclusivity and cultures of belonging in decision-making capabilities because that's how we're going to get change. That's how we're going to get representation. And that's incredibly powerful. We uh, will, um, When we explore the brand story, I speak about when I was a woman in project management, I started looking upwards and there was no one like me. So then you start thinking, well, it's like, is there worth, is it worth me being ambitious in this organisation? And actually, are people setting the policies and decisions that are right for me um, if they don't really understand me? And I'm not saying that we have to all be the same categories of um, to be able to represent each other, but actually I think there are elements of that and it is really important because if we just have all men around the table or all white people around the table or all able-bodied people around the table or, you know, any category of difference if we just have what's normal around here we're just missing huge sections of our work cultures or our societies or our cultures or our communities and we're not being fair to represent them but then we're also not getting the best business outcomes or policy outcomes because because actually if we have diversity we would serve our communities better. We like the evidence of why we need diversity, just overwhelming and businesses make more money and you get more creativity, you get more innovation, you get different risk appetites and that applies to any decision-making forum. So from that experience, I started realising that the same conversations that I'm having on social media, in my business, are the same conversations in politics, that we need more diversity in leadership. Um, and we can look at that in, in cabinet. And when people were talking about Black Lives Matter, um, ministers were saying, well, we have, we have BAME people here. So we've got an amazing diverse cabinet. But the question they were being asked was, where are your black ministers? And they were diffusing that and uh, diverting the attention by talking about BAME, so Black, Asian and minority ethnic. But again, just that's just a lumping of people together. And again, we've got all these differences. And actually, having Asian ministers on, on the cabinet wasn't, isn't answering that question and it's not enough. So part of what I really believe in is that in decision making, we do need this diversity. So, so again, that was for me, the parallels were coming up and um, like it's on hold at the moment because of lockdown, but there is the potential that I, <laughs> I, I did get elected to run in a by-election. So that kind of all happened really quickly. Um, so I went to that council meeting and started becoming more involved in, in understanding that it was part of my beliefs and my mission that actually they weren't separate. Um, and they. Unfortunately, a, a local councillor passed away who really long-serving, standing member of our community. But then we're looking for um, 
people who would run in that seat and it's quite a a tight um local authority in that there's there's a very marginal difference um and so they wanted women so they knew they wanted women to to run for in terms of the Labour Party and so I was asked and I said yes and then I got picked and it all happened very quickly but then it did get put on hold because of lockdown so that may well start up again or it may well not I'm not sure but for me it just made me realise that in terms of what I believe in and what I encourage women and misfits to do in our, in business is the same as what I want to see in politics I like I'm not saying it has to be me around that table, but actually I want to see a diversity and not just women of colour. I want to see all different misfits around the table that will create better policy decisions. And I kind of touched on a bit of the nastiness and negativity of politics and actually how I think politics is run is quite um, divisive. Like it's all a lot of misinformation, a lot of kind of, being quite nasty to each other to put each other down and if you look at if you ever watch um prime minister questions or the the houses of parliament shows like you know it's great it's actually really fascinating like before i used to think politics was boring but if you watch them they just are so nasty to each other and they just they don't answer the questions and they just show quite bullying behaviors and i just remember watching those and thinking we cannot behave like this at work. We would be held out for being rude and being bullied. And these are our leaders. So again, I think actually if we had more difference, more diversity, and could create cultures of belonging at that level, how powerful would that be? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you've hit on something that really is one of my biggest frustrations when it comes to politics, which is that there seems to have been a normalised culture of bullying, but not a normalised culture of diversity. And that just seems absolutely baffling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked a lot around politics within business, but I'm really, I'm really curious because everything that you're saying about the by-election and being nominated, do you think that those opportunities would have been afforded to you like that opportunity to um to run for the by-election let alone or consider it do you think that that opportunity would have been something you would have encountered if it hadn't have been for your business so I think I wouldn't have been as closely linked with what I my values are and my mission because I because I would have been out delivering projects um I would have been had my head down doing railway projects or whatever field I'd ended up in. And I don't know if I would have started to look beyond that, that I can, um, of what I, like, what I deeply connected with. And I, I possibly could have, and I possibly could have within my work setting, because ultimately that's what I found as, as, what difference I want to make and that's what I help people find so I uh, lots of the women I work with they're also really passionate about inclusivity mm-hmm. and they're doing that from inside their work environment so it's possible I could have found it um but a lot of that's come from the personal development work um and finding my mission which has been core for me mm-hmm. as a business owner so I'm not sure if it would have been as strong um and I think the other thing is that for me, actually, one of the parallels I realised that was that 
um, in the past, I've actually worked in a local authority, but I would never have considered running for a local councillor. Um, because again, it's just outside of my sphere of, oh, I could do that because I haven't seen anyone like me do it. A lot of the people were retired, not all of them, but um, certainly when I was doing it, it certainly felt like that. And they were generally white middle class people. So you're like, and not that you even consciously think it, but you just you just think that's not for me. So it was that growing awareness, actually. Why not for me? And if I believe in something, why not? And and I'm really passionate about seeing that diversity. It's a possibility that could be me or or somebody else. Um, so it just started those chains of thought coming about, I think. Um, and I think the other part of it is that as a my background, having worked in local authority and being a project manager, was me realizing actually. The, the role of a councillor of being a decision maker and um, influencing policy isn't actually hugely removed from what I would have done in my day job or to some of the people I would have worked with. It's a role in project management. There's a role called a sponsor, which mm-hmm. is the person who comes up with the projects and they don't necessarily do the delivering, but they come up with the ideas and um, then hold you accountable. They hold the purse strings. And so, and I've done that role before and really enjoyed it. And so it made me realize that actually it's within my skill set as well. So it's within my work skill set that I could then do this role, um, justice, and I could do that well. Um, so it started getting me thinking about those parallels, which actually, if I was doing the job, then maybe I wouldn't necessarily be missing those elements of project management as well. So it's like, and of course, being out on my own being a solo entrepreneur I don't necessarily have that team or so again it's just another way of having a, having a different environment that perhaps I wouldn't have been missing as much if I was in meetings nine to five already and yeah. um so but absolutely there are people that are in corporate and, and can do it as well so it's just it's about finding what's right for you for you but I think I'm not sure if I would have found that path yeah. if I wasn't if I hadn't left that corporate space that's really interesting because I think when we are our own business owners I think like before because I ran my business for about two and a half years while so I was still fully full-time employment um and it's been about a year where I've been self-employed now and during that time I found that as time passed I was more and more interested in as how do I put it like as my business became more of a possibility to become my full-time income I became more and more interested in political matters that would affect that. But it wasn't something that I ever assumed would happen because I think, I don't know whether it's, I didn't recognize the depth of the impact that political kind of matters have on literally, like you said, on absolutely everything. Because like I've said, my political education has been very much self-driven and I feel like a self-driven education can be a good thing but it's also quite biased depending on what it is that you're looking for so if there are business owners who are looking to find maybe um political policies or anything like that that would specifically affect their business is there anywhere that you would recommend that they kind of start with that education other than asking on LinkedIn if there's someone who's not keen publicly 
Yeah. And then, yeah, I think actually LinkedIn is quite an interesting space for the political discussions. And I find it a very different place from Facebook, which is really interesting. Um, But I think actually following up with, um, there are, for some issues, there are all parliamentary working groups, all parliamentary party working groups Mm -hmm. on certain issues. So actually they, this is how I think politics should be. <laughs> like it shouldn't be about the divides. It, so this is about the parties coming together for a shared purpose. So there is a group about women and work and they are, are very open to allow people to come and witness those, which I'm not sure if that would have happened in a pre-COVID world. I'm not sure if they were open forums, but they certainly wouldn't have been online. Um, but now they say you can sign up and you can come to our meeting. And you can hear about what's being discussed. And for that example, they were they put out invitations to uh, provide evidence or invitations to share your opinions about certain topics. And um, for instance, they talk they were talking a lot about women in lockdown and the effect, which is a massive topic. And they looked at different groups. So they looked at um, when I I've attended a couple of meetings as an observer. And they spoke about women in business. They spoke about women in corporate. They spoke about women of colour. They spoke about young women. And they invite different groups to talk and present that information to the, the political representative. But other people can witness that and, and engage in the conversation as well. And the idea is then that feeds into policy decisions. But it, in terms of how much power that group has is then obviously dependent on how much the ministers want to listen. But it's a really good vehicle to actually start understanding issues more and start exploring the different aspects without necessarily even putting your stake in the ground of which side you are. Because I think what's wonderful about it is that it's it's a particular challenge that people are then collaborating to solve. And so it's not the nasty, you said this and you said that, or it shouldn't be, and certainly the ones I've witnessed aren't that. And I think then is also understanding the policies and how that will impact you and what you believe in. Um, So actually, let's take away some of the social media noise and the misinformation that happens on there and take away some of the noise that's in the tabloid papers, but actually having to do your own research and read the policies and, and understand how that actually impacts you and what not just us but what we believe in and what our values are and what what we want to see what's going on in the world that's brilliant I think that that's a really really helpful tip because it's really difficult like you said with all of the noise and when I was talking earlier what I'm I'm not sure quite how to articulate it but it's more trying to find neutral ground rather than neutral opinions I think that I kind of misspoke but trying to find neutral ground where you can go and have an education on both sides so you can make an informed decision is so so difficult when it comes to politics because um I feel like it is divisive and I feel like people feel I know that you've said um not to sit on the fence but I kind of feel like you need to have a bit of space and time to work out where you do fit within that because I don't think that any of these political decisions generally there will be some for different people, but for me, a lot of the time it's not black and white, or a lot of the time both options are grey, and you're not quite sure where you sit. 
So trying to find that neutral territory where you can listen and observe and form an opinion and then continue that conversation. Um, I think that that's really valuable to know that there are places you can do that. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'll see if I can find some links. And if any of you, any of the listeners are interested, I'll pop that in the show notes as well, because yeah, I think the only way that we're really going to normalize any form of change will be through education and open conversation. And there's something that we do actually in my um, membership community. It's although, yes, I am on one side of the fence mm. when there are topics um, that are affecting us, though, like the lockdown yeah. or whether they're affecting other people. Um, but we can like Black Lives Matter about um, some of the things that JK Rowling has been saying about trans people. And uh, some people are in my communities and they're like, actually, I don't know what I think about that. And so I might have a strong opinion or I might not, depending on the topic. And we explore those in quite a, a safe environment yeah. um, without chastising, like, you know, that you've got a different opinion of mine, therefore you are wrong. Um, but we try and do it in quite, a, quite an open way and have those conversations and those discussions to actually explore and listen to different points of view. So if you can find spaces where you can actually have those, um, I was going to say grown-up conversations, but, um, you know, those conversations where you treat each other with respect, even though you've got different points of view, and you can just explore, then they are really powerful spaces. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And if you if you can have those conversations within a community that does have diverse opinions, because I talk politics with my friends, but generally particularly like my closest friends they tend to up they tend to have the similar political views to me um or they're so far removed from the issue that I would like to talk about they don't really have an opinion either way so having an environment or seeking out an environment that you feel safe to have those conversations and know that your views are going to be acknowledged as long as you acknowledge other people's kind of views as well and you have that balance I think yeah I think that neutral territory and that neutral space where people can have open and honest conversations which is kind of what what spurred on this podcast initially is just having the conversations that are difficult to talk about because you don't know where to go and you're told it's taboo and you're told that you shouldn't but I mean you've already shared a couple of stories with us about how having a political opinion as a businesswoman has actually had a positive impact both in your community and in your life. So, you know, I think that that's really food for thought for the listeners as well, that you can make changes and you can make impact, um, whatever your views are in a way that feels good for you without jeopardizing your business reputation. So, yeah, I find that really, really interesting. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover today when it comes to political? Because I know it's such a big topic and I know that this is exactly what you address. So I don't want to I don't want to sweep this to a swift conclusion. But are there any other key points that you really would like to kind of discuss today for the listeners to be aware of? Um, I just think, again, just to reiterate of exploring how you can have conversations with people mm-hmm. who have different points of view and actually it's a powerful exercise to go into a community who does have a, a different point of view not to but to learn and to listen because even if you don't agree with them 
to understand where they are coming from is a powerful thing um, because we can look at other people and be just like, oh, they're a, so I'm a Labour voter. Um, they're a Tory voter. They are X, Y, and Z. And that's not going to be necessarily the case that we've got all these preconceptions and that can really taint how we then are with other people. And, it, and we are in massive echo chambers, um, as we all know, um, and some of the examples you've given. Um, so actually, how can we be okay with difference of opinion? And actually, you might even want to take the bold step of going out and listening and seeking different opinions to understand, um, which is a powerful thing to do. Yeah, I think that that's amazing. And I think that that's the perfect note that we can kind of wrap this up on. Usually I ask to share a piece of advice for a task that listeners can do, but I think that you've just summed that up, summed that up perfectly. So if you are looking to um, have these conversations, then by all means, I mean, I've got the Brown Lounge community, Anita's got her community. If you check the show notes, you'll be welcome in either of those groups as a neutral territory to come and ask those questions and have those conversations. But equally, you know, if it is something, if there's a particular topic or policy that you're keen on talking about, then yeah, I do invite you to open up that conversation to others. Keep your mindset open, keep your boundaries firm, but equally be open to having those conversations to educate both yourself and others, I guess. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so, so much for joining me today and sharing that, Anita. That's just been a brilliant conversation. Um, where can the listeners find you online? So I'm over on LinkedIn talking about politics, even there and on Facebook are my main platforms. Um, and I have the Fierce Project Management Tribe community over on Facebook as well. Brilliant. I'll pop all of the links in the show notes so the listeners can come and find you and have those conversations. So thanks again for joining me today. I've really found this quite less nerve wracking and more <laughs> more insightful um, as well as insightful as I'd hoped it would be, which has been absolutely brilliant. So thank you for that. If you'd like to hear more about Anita and the First Project Management, be sure to check those out. And if you are interested in hearing more about her brand story and her business journey, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast ready for Thursday's episode where Anita is sharing her in-depth look at her business and her journey so far. Until then, I hope that you found this episode helpful and insightful and I'd love to know how you would like to continue the conversation. So come on over to Instagram at the Brand Lounge Club or into our Facebook community, the Brand Lounge with Shadowcat Creative and we can hold these conversations to grow our businesses and grow our brands. And until next time, hit that subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed. Take care.